So good to see all of you. Good morning. Man, what a blessing to be together in the house of the Lord to praise our Father and uh, just share a time together in His Word. Um, Humbled to be before you this morning. It's been a really, really amazing week. Um, You ever have what you just call a roller coaster week? You know what I mean by that? Where like there are these amazing spiritual highs and then there's these some of the trench stuff that we deal with in life and so we've experienced all of that this week. Um, I will say that what I would like to do this morning is spend most of my time focusing on the following slide. If we could bring that up, I want to introduce our granddaughter to you. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? It won't take long. I'll just take about 45 minutes and talk to you about her. Um, we won't spend a whole lot of time. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. This is Evelyn Grace. Uh, we call her Evie, and uh, she came home from the hospital on Thursday, so we had a lot of fun hanging out with Will and Hillary. So pray for them. Uh, we're excited about her growing up in this church and uh, knowing that a lot of you are going to be loving on her and praying for her and helping her learn who Jesus is and learning to uh, follow him as, uh, as a disciple. So uh, prayers for her, and thank you all for all the love and support you continue to show our family. Um, just a few weeks ago, at the beginning of this series, I ask you to pray a very simple prayer, and that is individually, Lord, I ask, and collectively, Lord, we ask that you could do more than all we could ask or imagine, and I, I want to let you know this morning, it appears to me you've been praying that prayer, because God is just doing amazing things, amazing things. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have more more members of this, this community of faith who are in the homes of people in Brazos County. I don't even know if we've ever had as many people interacting with our community as we have right now through Care Portal. We're delivering uh, supplies and resources and prayers and encouragement, putting names and faces together, and just being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen. So keep praying. <laughs> God, do more than all we can ask or imagine. Last week, uh, Victor Torres and Ed Gomez and their families uh, launched a, a new interaction, just uh, this um, Let's Talk. It's an opportunity for uh, two brothers who are fluent in Spanish um, and just have a love for God's word and want to reach out and engage Spanish speakers in our community who maybe want to work on their English or English speakers who want to work on their Spanish and have an opportunity to do that in the context of the Bible being at the center of it all. So that's going to be happening on Sunday mornings. So keep praying. God, do more than all we can ask or imagine. Because surely he is. And how wonderful it is to see. And we'll have more things to share with you as the weeks go by. God just continues to answer our prayers. So praise his name. Today we're going to be spending a little time in the book of James. And uh, so you can turn to James chapter 4 if you'd like. We'll get there in a few uh, moments. But as we're opening up our Bibles or powering up our Bibles or whatever it is we do these days to get to the Word of God, I just want to make a quick observation. You know, there's, there's always two authors involved with every book in the Bible that's written. There's the human author whose personality and uh, values are allowed to shine through the final product, but there's also the Holy Spirit of God who is leading that author through the power of of God's truth, through the power of his word to yield these 
these passages, these verses, these books, these letters that give us life, that show us who God is and how we as followers are to live into the kingdom that Jesus brings. One of the human vessels, one of these co-authors is James. If you look at the Greek, his name literally is Yaakov or Jacob, and so he could go by that name, but traditionally he's referred to as James, the half-brother of Jesus. And so since that's been his traditional moniker, we're going to stick with it this morning as we look in James chapter 4. We're focusing today on one simple concept. It's called more grace. But I got to tell you before we get there, this is a pretty complex book. We draw a lot of wisdom from James because he writes um, much uh, 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 in the style of, of Proverbs. He actually pulls some of the Proverbs in to his language. He also bases a lot of what he says on the Sermon on the Mount. We see overtones of that throughout the book of James. But, but the Greek in James is a little bit wonky. It's a little messy. And so sometimes when we're reading through this text, it's a little bit difficult for us to understand what's going on. So let me set a little bit of context for you. Peter is leaving Jerusalem, okay? Peter's leaving Jerusalem. He's about to start planting churches all over the place, a ministry that he is going to be engaging in. So the church in Jerusalem is largely comprised of Jewish believers, those who have believed that Jesus is Messiah. And so we have these Messianic Jews that comprise the church in Jerusalem. Um, James, half-brother of Jesus, rises up as a prominent leader in the church in Jerusalem. But there's something fascinating that's going on. This is a church that's really kind of taken it on the chin, there are historical things that are happening, still the issues with Rome. I think there was a, a famine that occurred uh, not, too, not too long into their journey as a church, and so they were just experiencing some real struggles, but they also were experiencing some struggles within because there were these very zealous teachers who seemed to be more concerned with building a pedestal that they could sit on, a pedestal of power, a pedestal of, hey, it's all about us, versus hearts that were humbled before the Lord. So it's a tough spot that the church is in. Ironically, this is not just about what's happening in Jerusalem. James, as we'll see in a few moments, addresses his letter to a broader audience. But before we get there, the people that he talks to specifically in chapters 3 and 4, as best we can tell, the people he's specifically talking to here, they're not just your average person in the pew. These are some people with some authority. There's some teachers who are going around and about, and as they're teaching, again, they're kind of putting themselves on a pedestal. Most likely what we're going to be looking at this morning in James chapter 4 is an extension of a conversation that he starts in chapter 3. He's, he's calling these teachers out. You're abusing your position of authority, he's telling them. You're, you're acting irresponsibly. You're not being very loving. Regardless of if he's speaking specifically to them or if there's an indirect message that he also wants us to hear, the principle of this text applies to all believers. How can any of us how can any of us 
whether we are a teacher or whether we are a student, how can we who call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, how can we make sure that our heads and our hearts remain congruent with the head and the heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus? Fortunately, James has an answer to that question. When he opens his letter, he addresses to the 12 tribes who are scattered among the nations. And literally, we could translate that verse as to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. These are Messianic Jews who are living outside of Israel. You see, when Paul writes a letter, he's writing to churches in a specific region. There's going to be some issues, some problems that the churches in that region are going to be dealing with. James has a much broader audience, crams a lot into a little bit of space. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of reminded of something that happened in my own life when I read the book of James. My first grade teacher, her name was Miss Vida. She was very prim. She was very proper. She wore the classical solid color dresses that hit knee length. She always wore a black sweater. She had pearls. Her heels were just the right height, not too high, not too low. Her hair, not a single strand was out of place. Can you see your first grade teacher in your mind, okay? You know what I'm talking about. One day, we were all in class, and Miss Vida stepped out into the hall. And as children sometimes do, you get a little rowdy. Do you know what I mean? You get a little rowdy when the teacher exits the classroom. It just so happened that day that I was engrossed in a book. So I was kind of oblivious to everything that was going on around me. But when Miss Vida came back into the classroom, she was hot. I mean, like, ready to just kind of let all of us have it. So she said, everybody line up. And we were all like, oh, wow, this sounds kind of serious. And so we all lined up. And as we went out the door, she took her little ping pong paddle, which also was a backside paddle, and she gave every one of us a whop on the way out the door. And I thought to myself, I don't think this is really all that fair. I was just sitting here reading a book. But sometimes when people are acting out, what happens? We all kind of get a little, uh, a little tap, right? A little love tap. And so James here, even though he's speaking to a very specific group of people, he wants all of us to hear this because he doesn't want us to fall into these same patterns, into these same behaviors into these same attitudes. If we boil this down to its essence, the book of James, there's really a central message that permeates all he's trying to get us to understand here. And it is, church, be sold out for Jesus. Be all in. And it's a message that the church desperately needed to hear then, and it's a message that our world desperately needs to hear today. But we've got a problem. And that is that not everybody's completely buying into Jesus these days. As a matter of fact, a lot are just turning away from him completely. It's a disturbing trend. Look at a couple of graphs that pull from the Gallup organization. Just look at that bottom graph, a bar on the graph. Traditionalists, folks who were born before 1945, there's probably a few of you in this room. I want you to notice that 89% of those born before 1945 said, yes, I 
have a religious affiliation. And I will be happy to let you know that, that I belong to a body of faith. But I want you to look how things are changing as our nation is getting younger and younger. Our millennials, those born 1980 or so to 2000, only 68%. Notice this next graph. The percentage of church membership among those with a religious preference. Um, Millennials, 57% say, I belong to a church body. A church body. Those traditionally, 74%. Does this trend disturb you at all? You see what's happening as we're kind of drifting more and more generation to generation? It's no wonder that Todd Bolsinger writes in his book, Canoeing the Mountains, today's leaders are facing complex challenges that have no clear-cut solutions. These challenges are more systemic in nature and require broad, widespread learning. They can't be solved through a conference, a video series, or program. Even more complicated, these problems are very often the result of yesterday's solutions. It's what Ronald Heifetz calls adaptive challenges. Now, it makes sense then that an adaptive challenge will require an adaptive response, right? So what does that mean? Well, the section that we're looking at today provides an answer. So I'd like for us to begin with James chapter 4 and verse 6. And before we read this verse, I want you to hear this backstory. Prior to these verses, if you go back and scan verses 1 through 5, you're going to notice as he addresses these teachers who are, who are building pedestals to self, you're going to notice that James doesn't mince word. He goes so far as to call them adulterers. These are people who are cheating on God, people who are following the cravings of their own desires, and he, he could just keep hammering them. He could try to shock them into awareness of their actions and their attitudes, but instead, he tries to open their eyes to the true nature of God's love, and this is what he says, but he, that's God, gives us more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. I want you to notice that one key phrase, but he gives us more grace. More grace to whom? In this context, I believe it is to those who step down from the pedestal of self and humble themselves before God. That's when everything begins to change in a spiritual sense. Because when we humble ourselves before God, then this becomes the refrain of our lives. God is God, and he gets to decide. What would be the opposite of that refrain? I am God, and I get to decide. James is trying to break through that, and it's a little bit hard to see it because he's just been hammering them so hard. But there's good news right here. These these teachers, 
they're not acting godly at all. I mean, they give good lip service and, you know, maybe they look great on the outside, possibly even very religious, but, but God kind of sees through the smoke screen. And so you're like, okay, Greg, so that's good news. Where's the good news part? Well, the good news part is right here because this verse shows us that even in the hearts of the most obstinate, even in the hearts of the most misguided people, and that's the, that's the context, if we broaden it out to the principle of this passage, even in the most extremely difficult situations, there is always hope. Why? Because there's always grace. I want to say this another way. Even when everything seems to be crashing down, repentance, which is simply turning from myself, turning from pedestal making, turning from self to God, and humility, repentance and humility, they are sparks that ignite the consuming flame of God's grace. In context, this passage calls for wayward teachers to repent. But in principle, it teaches us that no matter what life throws our way, the heart of the humble, well, that's the heart in which the power of God's grace can be fully realized. And today, I want to let you see this truth modeled rather than just hear me simply talk about it. So I'm going to invite one of our shepherds, Tim Brandon and uh, Michael and Denise Perkins to the stage, and they're going to take these seats that are up here. And Tim's going to engage in a little dialogue this morning to unpack what more grace means to them in the context of their faith journey. So guys, come on up. This is the mask-free zone up here. It's just worth coming up just to be mask-free for a little bit, huh? We're glad you're here. And we have a special opportunity this morning. And um, I've just been giddy all week knowing that we were going to be able to have a chance to visit with Mike and Denise. And many of you know and love them. Um, many of you are about to know and love them even more. So um, I don't want to take any more time with introduction particularly, but um, thank you for being here this morning. And um, taking part in a story that God's doing in each of our lives, but then there's also the story of your family's life, there's a story of your church's life, our community's life, all interwoven. And just, I want you to hear some things this morning. Listen with ears that hear how God weaves stories together and about the humility and grace that God gives. So I just want to talk to you guys first. I feel like I'm tall here for some reason. I need a shorter stool. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, tell us a little bit about yourselves and just kind of a synopsis of your story um, as you see it in the light of God's grace. I'm going to let her do most of the talking, but I do want to just say that these are our people. Like you, so many of you are our people. Um, so we love you. And so many of you have just prayed and prayed and prayed, and this day can happen. And Denise is sitting here because of your prayers. So when you pray, the heavenlies move. 
time. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts for how you've prayed for us. So that was it for me. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we'll start. Father, we are humbled. You are great, and you're awesome, and your story, uh, this is just another Bible story that's being written, and so we're humbled to be a part of a story that you are continuing to write, and we know, Lord, that your will is continuing to unfold, so uh, you have not called us home yet for a reason. There's things that we need to do on this earth, so Lord, that we would just hold reflectors so that when people look at us, they would see Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer. So we give you thanks and praise, and uh, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us words to love on these brothers and sisters and, and point them to you and your goodness today, um, that it would be like John the Baptist says, we must become less so that you can become more, and that you would do continually in all of our lives do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and you've promised that, and so we put all of our eggs all of our faith eggs in your basket, we're all in. Because where else, like Peter said, where else would we turn? Um, Lord, so we turn our eyes to you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So do you want me to start? Okay. <clears throat> in 2013, Denise walks up to me and says, Michael, I've noticed this thing doing my breast self-exam that is concerning me. Uh, and so she walks up to me, and I, I feel that spot, and I think, yeah, that's concerning. You need to talk to the doctor about that. Uh, and so she goes to the doctor uh, within the next day or two, and uh, the doctors are wonderful in our community. And the, the doctor tells her, he said, I would be extremely surprised if this were not breast cancer. And she's 38. Now, mind you, she was a nutritional sciences major at A&M, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, very, lives a very clean life. We had four little children. Um, that was uh, eight years ago, right? So our oldest, Chloe, is 18. So our kids were 10, 8, 6, and 4. So and Denise had run a half marathon not too long before that. I mean, just the picture of health. So this was certainly out of nowhere. Um, so they run all the tests, do the biopsies, and sure enough, uh, it's breast cancer. And so she calls me at work and says, because I didn't know, I, I should have gone with her to the appointment, obviously, but I didn't know. So she calls me at work, and she says, well, th we've done all the, all the tests, and the doctors have diagnosed me with, with breast cancer. And so I'm out behind, I'm a physical therapist, I'm out behind the clinic, and I'm just, obviously, what? <laughs> like, what? Like, oh, out of nowhere. Uh, and so I just stumble through my day uh, and get home and find her holding Phoebe's face, who's our second and she's saying, Phoebe, God doesn't make mistakes. For whatever reason, this is plan A for our family. He didn't accidentally let this happen. This is not a surprise to him. He didn't say, oh, man, I forgot to block that cancer gene in Denise. It's not that at all. Um, and she didn't say all this to little Phoebe. <laughs> but she said, this is plan A. For whatever reason, God doesn't waste pain. So he must be doing something special here. Uh, and she proceeds to tell each one of our kids that, and I, as I am the one supposed to be the spiritual leader of our family with wobbly knees, just sit off the side, just watching her be a modern-day Bible character and a hero of faith and explain to the children, God must be doing something special here. So that 
was what happened in 2013, but I want her to speak a little bit to what she, her emotions and her thoughts were in that moment. Well, <clears throat> sorry, he's the speaker. I'm just his assistant, really. So, Whatever, you're totally the star of the show in our lives. Um, I think about that moment, and one thing we're really good at is sleeping. And that night, that when I first got told it was for sure breast cancer, I remember I was laying in bed. And I shouldn't be emotional because I've told this story a million times. I'm laying in bed. And I'm not sleeping, and I was like, why am I not going to sleep? And I'm laying there, and I just feel like I see the word fear above me. And I was like, I'm being fearful. And Satan, and I was just thinking, Satan wins when I'm fearful. And I just decided at that moment, in the name of Jesus, Satan, get away. Because I knew that Satan has to flee at the name of Jesus. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, Satan, get away. And I'm surrendered. I just, I just remember holding my hands up saying, I surrender this to you because I can't do it. And so, um, and I made that statement and I went to sleep. But, I, I, but since that moment, and even now, I'm just like, whenever I feel Satan wanting me to be scared and wanting me to doubt God's power and God's mercy and all of those things, I have to say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, get away. And so I even... I knew Satan gets me when I'm, you know, when it's all quiet in the house and it's dark. I even actually wrote that in the name of Jesus, Satan, leave, Satan, get away. And I wrote it on the next card and stuck it on my bedroom window so when I'm asleep and I can't be verbally saying those words, it was a reminder to Satan, back off. And so um, that's where I was then. And then, um, what are we looking for? So, so yeah, so we, she starts to go through all the treatments and some of you have been through this or have close relatives who have been through this, so this is no new news. But, you know, she had to take uh, drugs and have radiation and have chemotherapy and her hair starts falling out. And so instead of having just clumps of hair on the pillow, we decide to, it's kind of a, in a strange way, kind of make it fun for the kids. Hey, we're going to shave mom's head today. And so so we're all out on the front porch with the clippers and we're shaving mom's head, all but Chloe. Chloe was old enough to understand what was going on, so she was just peeking through the window, bless her heart. And so all the things that you do when the storms of life come, you just you know, just throw your hands up and say, okay, this is bigger than us, you know. Uh, and something that Denise has told our kids from day one is, hey, listen, all the songs we've ever sang, all the hymns we've ever sang, all the Bible studies that we've ever gone to, every Bible verse that you've ever learned has trained our hands for war for this moment. This is when faith becomes real. This is the very time that we need our faith, and we have it. We have it. And people have told us, man, I am so appreciative that you have let your faith, you know, shine through and carry you through. And we're like, hey, thank you. But, like, where else would we go? Like, we don't have anything else. And so when she threw her hands up that night and verbally in the name of Jesus said, Lord, I surrender all of it to you. Um, that came in handy because, by God's grace, we got through the initial round of everything in 2013. And in 2015, she started having really bad headaches. And she walked into the room, same type of situation. She walked in, she said, hey, Michael, when I kind of turn my head down and turn my head this way, I'd have these excruciating headaches. And Denise, just like all of us, every once in a while would get a headache, but it never had a real problem with headaches before. So that was concerning. So I said, you need to go talk to your doctor about that. And so... Within about 24 hours, 
we had a positive MRI with a five centimeter tumor, brain tumor, that was breast tissue that had metastasized and gone to her brain. And it was just on the outside of her, her left cerebellum here. Um, and so the doctor was like, not only is this a cancerous tumor, but we need to remove this like immediately. And we're like, well, can we like, we need to tell our kids. Can we tell our kids? They're like, yeah, you can go tell your kids. Then we'll meet you at the hospital. Like, can we just have a night with our kids? They're like, come to the hospital at 7 a.m. And so uh, the next morning, uh, they're working her up for surgery. And, 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 and all of this, like, there's these surreal moments where, like, this is actually happening. Like, this is not a movie. Like, this is actually happening to me and our family, my wife and our kids. Like, it's happening right now. And that was one of those moments because they, well, as they wheeled her off to the operating room for a brain tumor, we're going to do brain surgery, she's apologizing to me. And she's saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I, you have, have a wife that's this sick. Like it's her fault or something in, in the heavenlies. I don't know how it all this, this works. It's a mystery. But, you know, Greg is he's preaching about humility. Denise didn't ask for this out of nowhere. And you guys and gals have had things that have, and if you haven't, you will, things that just come out of nowhere. Like, Lord, I don't understand why this, why? Like it, and, and it's like Job, right? Like he's big enough. You can do it like, why me? And then we weren't really ever that way. We've never, by his grace, we've never been like, I'm so mad at you. Although he, we could be, and it'd be okay, actually. But anyway, they willed her away, and she's apologized. I was like, don't apologize. Bless your heart. And I walk, I'm walking through the corridor, and I go turn. And a lot of you were out in the waiting area with us. Some of you were. And I turn the corner. It's just an empty corridor, a big empty hallway. And I had my moment, like she had, where I just knelt down at St. Joseph Hospital in that empty hallway and just said, God, I got nothing. You know, it's got, you know, sometimes we have those, here am I, send me, I'll go out and be the missionary. Sometimes we have those moments. And then other times we have moments where we're just like, here I am not. <laughs> well, why are you sending me? Like, I just got on my knees and I was like, I got nothing to fight with. So she's in the ICU, and she is a fighter, and she makes this great recovery. And all the while, we're talking to our kids about this. And we are neither fatalistic. We're very much not that way. We always have so much hope. Um, but we are realistic because it's a big deal, and it doesn't do them any good for us to sugarcoat things. And so we're sitting around in a circle, and we're talking about these things. Our, life, our, our lives are not our own. We were bought with the price. God is in control. We don't have enough to fight with. But with what faith we have to fight with, we're going to put all our, all our eggs in our faith basket in God's hands. Because he doesn't waste pain. And this is out of nowhere. So he must be doing something. I mean, we're just, just believing it. And the more you preach it, the more you learn it, the more you believe it. And you look in the Bible and you see all these people and none of them had it easy. None of them had it easy. I mean, Daniel's in the lion's den probably saying, what? Like he's getting lowered into the lion's den or thrown into the lion's den. And Joseph for years and years and years, not his own doing, was in prison just, just preaching these things to himself that he's always heard to be. And now he's kind of, he has to lean on that because there's nothing else but to lean on that truth. And that hope is just ringing. He's just in prison. And he he interprets the guy's dreams, and he stays in prison, and they forget about him. And finally
house. And as Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him, it's not of his own doing. I mean, it just, or that, that's what sent him to prison. But I'm saying just all this stuff, he gets thrown in a pit, he gets thrown into prison. And then finally, God redeems his story. And so there's a lot of hope coming. So 2015, she gets through that. 2016, she has more spots come up that we have to do radiation for, like the mask, like the Iron Man mask, where they just literally like for 45 minutes cannot move her head. I can't, I can't do that for like 45 seconds because they have to dial the radiation in. And as good as they dialed it in, she's lost hearing in a lot of ways in her left ear. Her left ear does because they, there's some overlap and and so it's all this sequela all this stuff that goes along with cancer that is wearisome so when you have a, a relative that has cancer um, it's not just the cancer they have to deal with all the other stuff that goes along with it I can't hear as well out of my left ear or whatever and I've talked enough so as you were going through that in 2015 2016 talk about how what you leaned on the fact that in that listening to those Christian songs during that radiation. I mean, we went to Mayo Clinic more than once. We've been to Indy Anderson more than once. There's a lot to the story. But what, tell me, I want I want them to hear, Denise, stuff that the, the current the Lord's Holy Spirit was, was using to carry you. I think the Lord prepared me um, for this trial in my life. I, you know, I have had other trials in my life, um, and a lot of y'all know, because I, when I first, you know, we met, just to the people, young people that don't know us, we met in the youth group at Anum Church Christ, and because um, my family had moved here because my mom had left us, and so that was kind of my story, you know, like, my, I was raised by my awesome dad, and that was kind of my story, but then God, and God worked through that, and that was, like I said, that was it. But then all this came along, and that was, this is my story too. But I think God prepared me as a child because my dad taught me, and we were always at church, and it was the Bible stories and these um, verses and these songs that, um, that it's all becoming the truth of what um, I would sit, the truth that sustained me, Dennis. You know, like one of my songs I go to when I'm having these brain MRIs and these um, brain radiation is number, I don't even know if it's still number two. Um, he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. Whatever, what's the name? A, a wonderful, no, wonderful Savior. It's number two in the whole hymn book. But um, is that right? <laughs> okay. And so it's all these, and I would go through these hymns of things I've sung my whole life. And I'm like, wow, that's what those words mean. You know, a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. And so I'm just thinking, that's me. I'm there now. And he's hiding my soul. And the stories, like you mentioned, Daniel and Joseph, like Joseph went through a lot. But here I am. And it's not a, God knows this was going to happen. God knew this was going to happen to me. And so he's like, and this is the best plan. And I either have faith or I don't. I either believe those stories or I don't. And I do. And so I, I, I lay there getting brain MRIs or getting lumbar punctures or doing whatever. And I'm thinking, this is truly what's best. Do I believe 
or do I not believe? And we believe, and I tell my kids all the time, and even Phoebe the other day said, Mom, you're so strong. And I was like, no, 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 you're missing, you're, you missed it if you think it's me. Because I surrendered to God a long time ago. And he promised that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And do I believe the promises of the Bible or do I not? And I do. So I know that when I am at my weakest, when I'm having brain tumors, that's when he can show himself in powerful ways. I'm looking at my kids because I just want them to know that their mama believes the words of that and believes that his way is the right way. And this is my valley and this is, this is my journey, but it's, it's okay because his plans for me are so great. So I just want my kids to know that. Y'all know that, right? We want you all to know that. You know, the, the reason why we're talking about Job now thousands and thousands of years later is because he went through a hard time. If Job didn't have a hard time, we wouldn't be talking about Job right now. Because hard times make our skin thicker and our heart softer. And hard times grow our, like a fine wine, grow our faith and remind us that we're supposed to have a healthy longing for heaven and enjoy the brevity of life. And so it helps us look somebody in the eye and realize they're going through something. Whether it's the barber that needs to hear the name of Jesus or the cashier at H-E-B who hears the name of Jesus. We're all missionaries. We're all mission. We're all full of the light of the Holy Spirit. And God has plans for all of our stories. So when James, this is crazy, in chapter 1 says, consider it pure joy. When you face trials and persecutions of many kinds and hardships of many kinds, consider it Pure joy. Either he's crazy in the head, or that's true. And so we're saying, from our shoes, from our seats, that's true. So in 2016, we had to do that radiation. For four years, God held her scans clear, and we were on some medicines that, by God's grace, he sent us to a doctor, Dr. Joyce O'Shaughnessy up in Dallas, who get, put her on some medications that were effective for four years. Now, they thrashed her hands and feet. She had this hand and foot syndrome in her tummy, truly. And so she was having a harder and harder time using her hands. Like, she couldn't make a fist, and it was harder and harder for her to open water bottles, and her feet were tender and had to take showers with shoes on often enough because her feet were tender. Would get a blister on every toe if she went out in the heat at Six Flags and walked around. And it was really bothering her tummy too. And as her husband, I'm just dying. Because as a husband, your whole role, like I pray this prayer almost every day that I would be able to protect her from harm and evil. And that's what husbands should do is protect them as much as you can. And this is obviously God is the one that protects. But, and so I'm seeing her have a harder and harder times with their hand and feet. And so I've been praying for a while that God would provide a medicine that would help us fight the cancer but not thrash our hands and feet. And so about six weeks ago before Christmas, we have a scan. 
which she gets every four months. Every, I mean, scans are just a part of our life. Bone scan and brain scan and abdominal scan and heart scan. I mean, it just every four to six months, we're getting, she's getting scans. And we're, getting, we're all getting scans, right, kids? Because it's stressful. It's a, it's a tough day. Scan day is a tough day. And it's hard because it's the constant reminder that your wife's sick, that your wife's going through some junk, and that's hard. So on this last scan, they found two new tumors, brain tumors, and more importantly, they found that she had cancer cells in her CSF, which is her cerebrospinal fluid, which is the fluid that nourishes and bays your nervous system. So that's really important. It goes everywhere where your nerves go. And being a physical therapist, I'm like, that's not good. When we went to MD Anderson three or four years ago, at first, when they were looking at her scans, because she had those scans where the, the tumors were able to do radiation for, they thought it was leptomeningeal disease, which is what this is. And they were like, that's not good. And so, again, we just get on our knees and we just say, Lord, this has been bigger than us the whole time, and this is still bigger than us. And so it actually doesn't change our trajectory much. Because we have friends who are mean well, and they are loving, and they're precious to us, close friends, like groomsmen and my winning kind of friends. And they'll write us text. They wrote us texts that say, we are devastated by this. And that was well-meaning, but our, and we didn't respond back to them this, but in our hearts, we thought and felt, we're not. Not because it's not bad news, it's bad news. But this has been bigger than us from the very beginning. You know, it's silly for us to think. It's silly for you all to think. Caden, it's silly for you to think. You're 20, the picture of health. It's silly for us to think that we ever have control. Ever. Like every, any, every breath is a gift. So, so here we are in a new battle. The, the, the grace, the current of grace, though, because he wanted us to talk about grace today. So here's just an example. And God has sent us to the right people in the right places. And God has used modern medicine in a marvelous way. God's doing it, but he's using medicine to do it and people to do it. So thank you, doctors and nurses. Thank you. So we... God, we've been provided these two new drugs that Denise has had to have a lumbar puncture, which is a big deal. She's had to do that once a week for the last six or seven weeks to inject this drug that can't get through the blood-brain barrier. It's a long story. The molecule size on this drug that was effective at the very, very beginning, shrinking her tumor, uh, couldn't get through the blood-brain barrier, so she has to have a lumbar puncture, and they have to inject this Herceptin into her, in, into her CSF, basically. <clears throat> and then she has an infusion of in her two every three weeks. So she had that, her first dosing of those things, right before Christmas. So on Christmas morning, she's throwing up multiple times. And she's watching the kids open presents holding a bag. And, and I don't say this. I really don't say this at all. Like, woe is me. Like, we're not those kind of people. Like, feel sorry for us. Like, that's not why I'm saying this. I'm just saying, for your relatives who go through this, for your friends who go this through this, keep loving them because it's not easy. This part, this stuff stinks. It's not easy. She's watching the kids open their Christmas presents with a bag to throw up in. And so the kids open their presents. She doesn't even open her own presents. And she just lays down and sleeps for about three hours. And God's all off in that. God's all off in that. I'm sitting there, and I, sometimes I do start to think, Ugh, 
Because I look at Isaiah's face, and Isaiah doesn't even want to look at his mom, and he's covering his ears because he thinks that she's about to throw up, and he doesn't like to listen to her throw up. And so his head's down, and he's covering her ear, his ears because she's, you know, kind of starting to, you know. Not the easiest Christmas morning, but it's all right. It's all right. It's all right because God's all up in that. So we do request your prayers um, because, you know, at some points you realize that you threw a, a stone and slayed the giant. Goliath has fallen. And in other real times you realize, man, I'm going to have to keep collecting stones for a while. So we need your prayers for endurance. I just want to, or sum it too. We're just never without hope. And it goes back to those stories. Do I believe that we still, the same God is the God that split the waters and allowed people to walk on dry land? Yes, I believe that. I believe that it wasn't muddy. I believe it was dry ground. And it's the same God of yesterday that is today. And so I do all believe He's working, yes. Do I believe that he could take every cancer cell out of my head? Yes, I believe. And I, I, I've surrendered, and I believe that he has the power, no doubt. But I believe his, his ways, his plan is so perfect. And, and with, with, all we, with all that I am, with all I, he is, and I want my kids to know that we we're sold. We're what's the word? Sold out. We're just we we are surrendered to him and his plan. Yes, he can heal, and I believe he is because I really want to see grandchildren. Not yet, in the future, <laughs> but I believe that's part of who I'm going to be. We're going to be great grandparents. We are going to be really fun, and because um, I've, I've heard that's the greatest thing you can. So. I want to be that one day, and I want, I want to do it with him, you know, and my, my kids have two parents, and I really want them to have two parents for a long time, because we were both raised by single parents, um, they did a beautiful job, of course, um, but we are, we have that blessing to give to our kids, we have a lot of plans, and, but we, we are never without hope, we trust, and we're at peace, we live a very peaceful life. Even though we go to a lot of scans and stuff, but it's very. She's a walk- so don't go Google breast to brain cancer. Don't go Google leptomeningeal disease because it's not pretty. It's like she's like she's a miracle. She's a miracle. God still moves stones. The, the, Jenny Christian's nodding her. You you've been in there along the way. I mean, so a lot of y'all have made casseroles for us, and you know Kelly's brought plenty of banana yes, bread. Please. Hey, don't stop. We still really like that. <laughs> I mean, she. This is like. Yes, parting the Red Seas, and it was dry ground. Yes, Denise Perkins is still here. I mean, this is, it's amazing. Like, go, glory to God, Tim. Glory to God. He's doing miracles in the Philippines. He's also doing miracles in these seats. He's do, he wants to do it. And then it's just our job to point people to him because those graphs about people, how people are like losing touch with their Christian walk and all that kind of stuff, it's our job to tell them about stories like these. 
Because God's still alive. We're still here on this earth for a reason. He has a purpose for every single one of you college kids. Like, he has purpose that's amazing and powerful. You get to be the modern-day Bible characters. It's amazing. He hasn't brought us home yet because he has a reason for you to still be here. Your life is anointed. There's amazing things that will, if you let him, that will happen. Just point him to Jesus. It's easy. Just point him to him. Like, just weave Jesus' name into conversations. This, there's a joy in the journey and the life we can love on the way. It's amazing to live this life, to live as Christ, to die as gain. So whatever he does with her, whatever he does with me, we're not our own anyway. Amen? Amen, church. We sure love y'all. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, the stories are, are beautiful, and what's beautiful is to see the faith and how it lives out. And when the Bible comes alive and it says you can do more than you can ask or imagine, then you hear stories like yours, you get to be a part of stories like yours, it really does bring you right to, uh, right to your knees to see how, what more grace looks like. So thank you for sharing your stories. Let's pray for Mike and Denise as a family. Dear God, what you're doing in the world is beyond what we can understand. What you're doing throughout history, throughout generations, is unfathomable. But God, we thank you for what you're doing in the home of Mike and Denise Perkins. We thank you for their heritage of faith that you're building. We thank you for their children their children's children and beyond who will be blessed by the faith that they have now, the faith that you've given them, faith you've nurtured through Bible teachers and song leading and classes and friends, through their work, through CBS, through ministry, all the ways, God, you've shown yourself faithful. We thank you. We ask you to continue to heal her body, but also, God, you continue to nurture their spirits. We lift them up to you. We hold them up as heroes, not because of who they are, but because of who they serve. We pray through your sweet son's name. Amen. I just want to draw your attention back to James 4, 6. But he gives us more grace. And that's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. You see, when we try to measure the goodness of God in worldly metrics, it's hard for a lot of folks to get their heads around that. But when we're sold out to Jesus, um, that phrase, worldly, godly, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So you've heard about teachers who were trying to build pedestals to self, and, and hearing a sermon is great, but what you saw today is the antithesis of that. You saw a family that's uh, sold out uh, to Christ, and uh, we love you guys, and thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. I think we're going to be able to draw a lot of strength from this message for a long, long time to come. And hopefully, prayerfully, even more importantly, pay it forward in all of our circles of influence. We're going to share a song together this morning, uh, a song of, of praise, a, a song of uh, encouragement and hope. 
we're going to be back in the Welcome Center, uh, some of the shepherds and the ministry staff. If you have a question about baptism or you want to have a, a conversation about just, just, hey, I need to pray about this or I don't know what to do next because whatever it is, we're, we're open and we want to walk this journey with you uh, together. After this song, uh, Kent Dale's going to join me on stage very quickly for a closing charge. So uh, let's, uh, let's stand and uh, sing to the Lord.